Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to Monday's edition of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I am your host, Anthony Anderson. I'm joined by two razor-sharp minds from the world of Scottish football. My good pals, I've got Craig Anderson. How are we doing? And Mr. Craig Fowler. How are we doing, lads? All good? Currently looking around for the razor-sharp mind that's in the same room as me. Can't, <laughs> can't, can't spot them, Tony. Ah, well, I like to, we, we, we have to pass it all off that we know what we're talking about. And then people... It's all, it's all, a, it's all about espionage. Make people think, they think, they think we know what we're talking about. And then they listen. But we are here to talk about the Scotland national team after they opened up their Euro qualifying campaign with a 3-0 victory against Cyprus. Uh, I'm going to come in and say it like it was, like it was a very boring time trying to watch that in the pub, just to be clear. But I do want to say I'm not really using that too much as a criticism. It had a very, it had a very England uh, qualifying campaign feel to it where there was never really remotely any danger that that wasn't going to happen. And maybe that's quite good for, for a Scotland team. Is that fair to say, Craig Anderson? Well, yeah, I think the, the first thing is 2006 was the last time we won our first qualifier in a group, which is, uh, I know, I don't mean, the, obviously the fixture list and stuff like that, but that's wild in itself. Um, it shows what we're kind of pointing at, because we've had games, like, I'm sure we were at home, home to Lithuania was one of the groups, I'm sure, and yeah, we've had home, uh, home, to, home to Georgia potentially as well. Um, games like that, where you're like, well, yes, we should be winning these games. I, I was at the game on, on Saturday and... It was definitely not vintage Scotland, but you're kind of right. I mean, I was a wee bit worried in the sense that we were dropping a bit deeper and deeper, and they they did look like they had like a shit jammy goal in them. But that was just that was just like from watching them rather than they didn't actually do anything that that would got close to merit in it. I think they had like a long range effort that that gun saved quite easily. So yeah, it was it was very much a professional job, and and obviously I've watched a lot of Steve Clark teams. You get a wee bit used to that. Like they, they're not a team that goes for the, the jugular very often, um, unless the other team are just like hopelessly incompetent. And Cyprus made it hard in the sense that even when we went to one 0 they they it took them and probably till about 70, 75 minutes to even try and come out. Even even at one 0 they were still um, you know back five, two sitting in front of that, and and really just saying okay, come and play. And that does not play to our strengths very much anyway. Um, we're, we're not we're, we're we're a more disruptive team than we are a creative team, and so if another team's just saying, "Oh, okay, beat us," I think that's always where we're going to have a challenge. Fowler, 
Um, let's let's go right back to the to the very beginning then um, when the teams came out. So there was the there was a chat about back four, back three, which is really seems to be the chat about every time a Scotland team takes the field under under Steve Clark. But we'd had our first sort of real bit of evidence about the back four in, in the last sort of triple header that went very well. But Tierney was back. Were you surprised to see it go back to back three or did you think there was just absolutely no doubt due to the fact that those two guys are fit again? Managers that... It seems over recent years, managers that I've, in my kind of professional and fan capacity, managers that I know a lot about who like the three at the back, seem to really like three at the back and use whatever excuse to go back to it. So I'm thinking Robbie Nielsen uh, in charge of Hearts. I'm thinking Callum Davidson, who's never really gone away from a back three in charge of St. Johnson and, and Steve Clark at Scotland. And that it really seems to take something to, to kind of move away from it. But I didn't actually have a problem in this instance. I assumed it was going to be the system we were going to be playing against Spain. I think against Cyprus, it's maybe a little bit of overkill. But then you do have two kind of wide centre-halves and, and Ryan Portress and Kieran Tierney. Portress is somebody does it more ways passing and Tierney can do it with his legs. In terms of progressing plays... They How do you pass it. without your legs? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I meant Tierney can dribble more. <laughs> Ryan Portress... Uh, yeah, Ryan Portress is such a good passer that he just does it with his mind. Okay. It's like the it's like X Force. Yeah, aye. <laughs> <laughs> hey, fella, we all know how much you love Ryan Porter, so I'm not surprised to hear you refer to him as an X Man. So, we're there. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, there is something to be said that maybe it isn't as negative as some people would like to say that. Yeah, why are you playing three at the back against a, a team like Cyprus? Who, you know, every time they could have ventured beyond halfway it was just basically like one guy going up against three defenders and usually it was just Grant Handley going eh, sorry pal I'll just be taking that football again <laughs> off you um, so there was yeah there was kind of that side of it where maybe could have played the four but I'm going to guess we're going to play the three against Spain that's the system that, that Clark usually likes to play as you said Tierney and Robertson were both playing and that's be also as well that's been something that Scotland fans have levied as a criticism at Clark for the three at the back is using it when one of them isn't is available. It, yeah. Because that was the whole kind of point in creating the formation in the first place was to fit two of our best players into the team. But they are both playing. Like I say, there was you played Cypress, maybe not needed, and we'll get on to talk about the midfield too as well, I think. Yeah, maybe, that's my next that's next up. Don't worry. So maybe not needed in this game, but this is the first time that Scotland have played together and uh, Five months, I think, four or five months. First competitive game for six months. So you're really wanting to have that continuity going from one game into the next because I imagine they would have done some sort of training on on Sunday, but it wouldn't mean too much because they've just played a game the day before. They're training today. They're not going to train tomorrow because the game's tomorrow night. So you're really limited in the amount of time you've got to set the players up in the system mm-hmm. they want. And if you use the first week of training to go through, you know, we're actually going to play... A four five one or whatever, or four four two or whatever you want to think, and then you go into the Spain game, and then you change it up. You're, you're really leaving yourself very little time. Do you and think yet, we could talk about later on whether we're maybe better playing a different formation against Spain? But because that's a formation Clark has tended to use, and especially used in the kind of bigger, more difficult games, then it, it will be 
I think it'd be very likely he uses that. So therefore, picking a team against Cyprus that was maybe a little bit on the negative side, yeah, it wasn't great to watch, but you could understand the reasons. Yeah, so you think that um, he was so certain about victory in this game that he basically used it as a dress rehearsal for the Spain game and just got set up in that way regardless to give them the the space and the time to, to get back to grips with what he wanted to do? I wouldn't say certain of victory, but I would say he still had more than and enough... privately, obviously, I'm like privately. More, more than enough confidence that this team could still get it done. And with that, Craig Anderson, sorry, we're all no. Craig's here. Um, we, would you say that's maybe the reason why Jack and McGregor were played together in front of a in front of a back three. I mean, it does... I'm not getting... I, I like Ryan Jack. I mean, Twitter's been awash with uh, Ryan Jack's slander today from from, from what I've it. seen. I don't get it. Uh, I, never, I never have. But uh, uh, firstly, you were there. But were these magical boos that I heard about on Twitter, <laughs> were, were, did, did they happen? So, so what I should say is I arrived at Hamden about... Well, I arrived at Hamden at about one o'clock and I thought it's a bit too early. So I went down to Asda and I got, got a, a bottle of juice and, uh, and used the toilet before I went to the game. And then I arrived back at Hamden at 1.45 and I got into my seat at 10 minutes past two. So um, <laughs> so I didn't hear any anything like that before the game. I, I heard a couple of people saying they heard it. It didn't sound like it was some massive loud thing. Uh, so there wasn't like, yeah, it wasn't this. And, and what I would say is... Um, Nathan Patterson got an enormous round of applause for coming on. Like uh, he was very much a popular player, which uh, is one who's had that kind of same thing leveled at him before. So I don't know, but in in terms of Jack, like I I just think him and McGregor in general are very good together. They're a very good partnership, and the only reason we went away from that at all was because Jack got injured, they missed the Euros, and then Gilmore at that point had pinned down a place. I I simply. I'm a, I'm a big Scott McTominay fan, but I I don't think he works well in a midfield too. I I just don't. Um, and so you're always in that situation of of kind of who else are you going to play? And I think, and, and I know some people said you know you're just playing Cyprus, but you need someone that's just going to win the ball back um, in any game of football. And and I think yeah, there's a. I that's think how you ha- keep pressure up constantly. That's how you suffocate teams, isn't it? Really. And in hindsight, yeah, watching the game, we were. We were we needed to move the ball faster, and I, I think Jack wasn't effective on the ball. So you could you could kind of in hindsight say, yeah, maybe, maybe we didn't need them. But I think there's, there is a whole thing settling in. Just just with the back three, even I think if I remember correctly, the last six games that we played um, with Robertson and Tierney in the back three were were six wins at the competitive games at the end of the um, the last qualifying campaign, and, and the only game I think we've lost. With the two of them in the back three was the Croatia game at, um, at Hampton in the Euros. It is a it is a formation that gets the most best out of those two players, and I think you saw some of that. Um, so I think you're you need the two when it works effectively. You need the two sitting players in front so that three or four of your defenders can go forward at the same yeah. time. So yeah, that's, like, a, that's a really really good point because like the, like we're, we're hickey. There and obviously with, with with the emergence of Ryan Porteous and Tierney and Robertson, they are like some of our main attacking players, aren't they? It's a very weird, like yeah, you, you've you've almost got Grant Hanley and then McGregor and Jack sit in front of them, so the other four can go past them. Yeah. Like Porteous didn't do it a lot, but you can see in Porteous, I think you're getting the centre half. The reason McTominay was playing there, the same sort of attributes. The reason Jack Hendry 
might have played there is that they play with play with their head up, they bring the ball out and they try and distribute from the back and they try to be clever with the ball. Tierney's about directness, but there that's your kind of cerebral centre-back. Um, and, and I know that's a strange thing to say about Ryan Porteous, of all people, <laughs> but as a footballer, the way he plays the game, um, yeah, there's still the, the mistakes and the slips in him and the, and the, the, the errors, but it, it suits him very nicely, that role. Um, and so, yeah, I, I didn't necessarily have a problem. I thought for the game, and he wasn't fit, so um, he was never going to play. I thought for that game, Patterson's a better option for directness on the on the flank. Whereas I think the the Spain game is more suited to Hickey in the sense of him coming in field and being a, a, a just just a his feet are incredible, but, the ball yeah. but he just wouldn't beat his man down the side. Whereas Patterson immediately, and yes, the game had changed by that point, and there was space and all the rest of it. Patterson two or three times burst straight into that gap um down down the side. Um so I think there's that discussion to be had. I I am very much starting to convince myself we're going to have the exact same right hand side problem that we currently have on the left because those two are excellent players and we are going to have to have this question of well, can you really leave either of them on the bench when they're both so, fit? So is Aaron Hickey going to become the right centre back. In I, this scenario. I, I think uh, just this is get, going to this sound, how we get the full backs in. This is going to sound like a terrible comparison, but I think people see where I'm coming from. Aaron Hickey really reminds me of David Wollerspoon, um, and that he he's a he's a footballer first and foremost, and so teams were just like, where can we get him on the park? Mm-hmm. So like when he was at Hibs, they were just putting yeah. him at fullback and stuff. But when I watch him play, I don't even see a fullback. I see like a if he was Italian, I feel like he'd be playing in central midfield. Like mm-hmm. I mean, I know that's a very weird thing to say, given he played in the Italian league and didn't play there. But, you know, <laughs> um, but like he, he spent. I watched a lot of his games at Bologna, and he spent half the game in the opposing half as a left back. And you're seeing the same for Brentford. He he, he kind of is a, a central midfielder half the time in the way he plays, and it didn't suit that game so well for me. I, I don't think he played badly. I just think we were looking for you were looking for aggression to get out on the outside and, and to commit people. So, so I think we've got all these parts, and I think you're, you're right, Craig, about Scotland not having played for a while. That's part of it's just bedding these guys in, and some of them hadn't played a lot of football um, of late. Hickey being one of them, he, he's um, he's just back from injury, um, so there might have been an element of just kind of getting getting something together for Spain. Yeah, I like. I mean, it's a good point you're saying about Hickey because Hickey's like. Um, he might have a massive career, even, I mean, he's doing already. I mean, there's you, you feel there's going to be more moves in Hickey's career as well. Like, if he's he's already at the level of Brentford, who are a top-half English Premier League team. Um, and like you're saying, his style of play, this inverted fullback style, is, like, really, really in vogue uh, in the racing. So you think that maybe Hickey is, like, really well-placed. It's like, him being a player now is the perfect time for him to be a player. You know, people you say, oh, they would have been better if they if they'd played in the nineties and stuff like that. Hickey might it's the it's the absolute right place, right time for him to sort of maximise his talent. He's twenty years old, like he's <laughs> still and it's still like you know he's been he feels like he's been around for ages because he has been, but there's a lot to there's a lot to develop in his game um as well. But but with Jack and, and McGregor, we we were able to absolutely control the the game. As I said, I, I never felt I was in the pub and and like the, the the worst thing that was being levelled at the television was just how everyone was getting bored, um, and like because I was in Robbie's, which is a pub's pub, just uh, talking about playing Motherwell at home. <laughs> let's let's get back to that. 
but that is, and, and I'd say that I don't really mean that too much as a as a criticism. I, I do feel like it was just like totally easily done. We didn't really have to exert ourselves, and the, with the way Clark used his subs is where they had a massive impact on on the result and how we played. And I know that can be used as a as a criticism about well, maybe why didn't he just start with that? But I always think that's a really simplistic way to look at it. the way he lined it up and the way we used it sort of maximised everyone's talents and ability during that game. I don't know, is that unfair, Fowler? Or? I was just kind of thinking there in terms of the criticism that does get levied at managers and, you know, when when they make subs and they're the right subs and Ooh. it's like, well, why didn't you start with that? With yeah. that? So it's, it's too simplistic, first of all, because you're seeing different things in the game that you might not have saw beforehand. Like Clark, like we actually started off the game against Cyprus with really quite a high tempo, I thought. Yeah, the first twenty minutes were like, "Oh, this is all right. We're going to the goals are going to be coming here." Right, and I think they fed off the players. Probably fed off the fact that the crowd wasn't really into it much either. You know, it wasn't exactly a raucous Hamden. Like, and, and I know that the performance is part of that. But even in the first half, when they were well on top and early going, there was a bit of you know a, a bit of atmosphere in the first five ten minutes, and then it kind of died a bit of a death, and then scored. It never really kind of sustained itself after that. And I think the players kind of bought that. So Clark maybe wouldn't have seen the the lack of urgency in the side and the lack of energy but then he made the subs that were perfect for that and he, made, he also made a formation change as well he went away from the 3-4-3 and, and changed it to a, a kind of more standard 3-5-2 with a, a kind of midfield three and that put McTominay on the right of that and that meant he could kind of bomb forward and, and do do the job that he struggles to do as Craig says in, in a two-man midfield because that's why I've it's probably one of the reasons why I've never really been too sold to McTominay in a Scotland shirt is that he does struggle when he gets when he starts in the centre of the park. He doesn't he doesn't play up to his pedigree. And obviously we know he's struggles at centre half where he can do the job of of stepping out and he's an asset there with the ball at his feet, but defensively he's maybe not that great. But anyway, can I get back? I'm kinda of leaving myself down a down a tangent here. Get back to talking about the, the substitutes. With the five subs rule in football now. I think managers can go into games now with more of a, a mindset of, right, these are the guys I'm going to use to change the game. These are the guys I'm going to use to implement it because you can change half your team. Like if you take cool. out the goalkeeper, which you're not, never going to change unless it's an injury, you can literally change half your team. So why not go into a match with thinking, right, these guys will keep it, you know, we'll keep possession. You know, Jack and McGregor are going to mean that Cyprus are going to find it very hard to ever get the ball off us. And play with the back three and, you know, play with Adams up front instead of Dykes. Leave Christie on the bench in case we need him. And then if we need him, we can bring them on because we can make these three changes and then if anything else goes wrong or someone gets injured, like what happened with, well, I don't know if Hickey was injured. They kind of speculated that he was in the broadcast. I'm not sure if he was or it was just a change. Then if something else happens, you could then bring on. You've got an extra two substitutes you make as long as you don't, you know, make the, the three subs one by one and use up all your allotted time. So... It's an interesting one to, to kind of say that about managers these days because football is evolving and changing. I'd, I'd like it not to. I'd really like to to see the three subs return <laughs> at least at least at the Scottish Premiership level, where you're just it, where you're just helping out the bigger teams more than more than you normally would. You know, and then you're also taking away these all these comfort blankets that you've literally and, and given teams managers the ability to to take risks. Like obviously, they, they, there's not like you're saying there isn't as much risk for the manager. You're saying there, I'm going to have a controlled team. And then we're going to basically just wear the opposition out who are weaker than us with our sort of possession-based 
uh, players who who are also good at winning the ball back. And then by the time they get tired, I'll bring on all our sort of really quick legs, aggressive players on the front foot, guys like Dykes who just run about and batter you as well. Um, like that second goal, it was like, it was the, the 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 three players. It was all about like them at their absolute best. What they do, their attributes for everyone to see. Christie sort of closing it down, uh, and then being strong, quick enough to get on top of it, and then get to the byline, putting a really good cross. Dykes doing that thing, which he really, really is good at making something out of something really awkward. I always think he he does that really, really well, uh, and it's like a really brilliant header and. Like you're talking about Craig Anderson as well. But Tommy likes to do that. Even when he's at Man United at his best, he, 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 that's the kind of thing you see him doing. But it's like at club level and international level, I feel like he almost gets neutered because he has other talents as well. I mean, it's a little bit of maybe like what happens. You see, it's the opposite of what happens maybe for John McGinn. I mean, he has that there, but in, in the national team, he gets totally let loose to, to do that. And, um, so it's it's still exciting again that there is sort of horses for courses for us and we've got a deep enough squad to do that and Clark was able to do it because eventually we've still done it we've still got three goals um, even if they didn't make loads and loads of really clear clear cut chances and, and it's that you, you talk about the substitutes like it's the thing that used to happen to us where they, they'd have been sitting thinking oh we've kept this to 1-0 and then they look and three of the four substitutes we bring on our, our Premier League players in England yeah. and it's um and it's a Man United player that comes on, and do you know what I mean. And it's a guy that, that he doesn't—he's not a first choice at Man United, but he's a very much a, it's a first squad team player, player, a first team player at Man yeah. United. And it, and it's that kind of depth that to be able to call upon that is um, is is very different to what we've had before. And it's um, yeah, you've got guys like Gilmore who um, Gilmore, Ferguson, uh, Cooper, uh, who are like top flight players, also not getting on the park at all. And mm-hmm. so it's like um, you're really looking at us now and going, there is that depth there. And the changes came at the right time in terms of McGinn was not getting involved in the game. So dropping him kind of deeper to the left just kind of gave them something else to think about. And as I said, I thought um, Christie's energy and Dykes just being Dykes. Dykes. Like I yeah. um, gave him something else to think about. Obviously, very he much. Really added, they, they, they added so much impetus. Dykes, you're never, it's never going to be. You can't play boring when no, no, it's on. It's on the park. It's 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 always so bombastic, so aggressive, and he and he, he never doesn't get involved. I mean, it doesn't mean he's always playing well, but he's never just like you never you, you know all the time. <laughs> Linda Dix is on the park. Yeah, because she Adams, I thought the opposite. Like when he got involved, he was very good, but the, there wasn't a lot of involvement. Mm-hmm. Mainly because, and, and fair play to him, it was one of the best performances I've I've seen from him. Uh, Alex Gogic was superb in the middle of the defence. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, I was slated about like before on our uh, WhatsApp group. I was like, well, sure, this is a doddle if Gogic is. I'm like, and I'm not a Gogic hater, but I mean, I, I was like, he's not really good enough to be a Scottish Premiership centre half. Please, no, he wasn't. Please that was when he played for Hamilton for like about a year and a half or two years. Where we thought, well, he's quite crap, and then he moved <laughs> yeah, into, yeah, and then he moved into the centre of the park. You're like, oh, Alex Gogic is actually quite good. Um, so now and then he's playing in like the, the middle of the of the, of the back three, and I was like, so well, he's the main man in this. <laughs> uh, but then, as you say, like uh, again, there's maybe an idea of because uh, they played with two defensive midfielders as well, Cypress, with a proper back three. And sometimes then Gogic is purely talking about defend, 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 defend. And that maybe suits him because he's protected. Um, It's just sometimes players, they just need, they need the team to be absolutely perfectly built around them for you to see what their best, their best, their best attributes. 
And um, talk, talking of players, the team is built around the, the, the man who scored the first goal, and, and, and he doesn't do very much in a Scotland strip. Like you, you barely see him in the game these days. Like he, you know, how you get like since um, we moved into that front th- in the front three. Yeah, I agree. He's, he's, he plays. It's like he's um, uh, he's, he's more thinking about. He's, he's basically playing up front. I, like, yeah, I don't yeah. mean that in a and in, in that and his idea is maybe to not get on the ball quite as much as to be a guy looking off the ball to to, to get in goal scoring positions. Yeah, and it's it's incredible. He's now uh, two goals. He's, he's Scotland's seventh all time top goal scorer. But interestingly, he's uh, Scotland goal scoring is now only two short of the number he scored for Hibs. Um, which for the, the the number of games and the amount of time, it's just it's just incredible. Um, and the finishes are really varied, and that was a really well taken one. I know it looks easy; it's a tap in and whatever, but the ball obviously takes a big nick from from Robertson's cross, and and to have the you know it didn't, it didn't phase him at all. Um, I thought it was a really nicely worked goal from from the three of them. It was Armstrong, I think, puts it through, and I thought Robertson. Robertson was offside at the time, but but he timed it really well, and and the ball across, yeah, yeah, got the deflection, but it was well well placed and well timed as as his assist was for the the third goal. But yeah, it, it's very strange. McGinn oscillates between these games where I'm thinking of Denmark um, at home, the energy and the amount of involvement he had in that game, playing almost as a kind of orthodox right winger, was um, was a lot. Whereas in a game like that, it felt like he was just hovering about waiting for the ball to drop most of the time. He didn't really engage with the game very much, but you can afford to do that in a game like that. Whereas I would hope against... Spain, uh, he maybe uh, runs about a bit more. Maybe he was saving himself. Yeah, there'll be a, they'll, they'll definitely. I mean, as, as I saying, he's probably our more our main goal scoring threat. So in a game like against Cyprus, you're looking for him to concentrate on getting it at the back post, making the moves to get in goal scoring positions. Because it's the beauty of having him playing on that right hand side with Roberts on the left. We know. Oh, even with the quality of, of, of Hickey, like the majority of our play is going to play down that left-hand side. As you say, the, the whole makeup of the team's based around uh, that, that left-hand side. So um, it, it works. And, then, and, and he gets a hell of a lot of goals. And and, and I don't mean it's a criticism. I know Harry Kane's goals goals for, and, and the teams that are against, um, is, is taking a lot of, uh, has been again on Twitter, um, but the same with John McGinn, a lot of them are against the weaker nations, but that's it probably speaks to the example that you're giving there, Craig Anderson, is that he, he, in those games, he's playing pretty much as an orthodox striker. But then when, we can, when we're playing the, the bigger teams, then McGinn uh, tracks back a lot. He supports, he uses his energy. He's more of a pressing player, but he has to get involved in the, in the game a lot more because we can't afford to have... Anyone just concentrating on trying to get into sort of non-stop goal scoring positions. So I get just the, the beauty of John McGinn in general. It's a, it's a Swiss Army knife of a, of a footballer, and uh, like I, he's maybe not the easiest on the eye playing in a, in a in a in an attacking position in terms of it's not going to be all the slide drill passes. And I'm not saying he's poor at that, but he's just not like a classic number ten or anything you would think of. And probably why you never see him in the English Premier League because nearly every team will have those types of players to play in the forward lines because they're the, the most traditional ones you would go and buy if you if you're if you're a top player. But for Scotland, it's just that means we've got sort of a chameleon just for whatever role we need him to be able to do on a given day. Um he's got absolutely no problem in in, in doing it and actioning it for us. Right. Anything else anyone want to, to talk about this game? Is there anyone any other players that you are that you were impressed with or Angus Gunn played? 
Ah, yeah, might as well. Yeah. I've been me talking with John McGinn, not getting involved too much. Wow. <laughs> uh, the, yeah, the, um, the, the cameraman for it, it, it won't be for Viaplay. It'll be or, or even Sunset and Vine. I'd imagine it'll be like some. It'll be part of like the world feed or something. But the cameraman like doing going up and down. They're doing the national anthems before the game. He really hovered on Angus Gunn. And got, <laughs> got, got very close to his face as well. He, the cameraman really wanted to know or, or thought that the, the Scottish people should really know whether Angus Gunn knows the words to the national anthem or not. And fair play to, to Gunny. He, he, did, he did know the words. I think I think Tierney looked like he was um, in a coma beside yeah, him. Yeah, I, I think Tierney always just keeps his mouth shut. Typical, uh, typical ex Celtic player. But, but the, the thing with Gunn is, I think it's different to see like some of the players that um, you you don't know for sure that they had that much connection to Scotland full stop before they they started to play for us in the sense that it could be like a Scottish parent or a Scottish grandparent or whatever. But it's like Angus Gunn's dad played for Scotland. I think he's he's probably going to have like at least grown up with some awareness of the uh, Flower of Scotland and all the rest of it. It's not like, uh, you know, you could imagine some some of the players who've played for us in the past have had like, uh, and some of the most committed even players like have had like, uh, the, oh my, I didn't even know my gran was Scottish until I found it. Do you know what I mean? Like that kind of level Aye, of Brian Gunn's actually Scottish as well. It's not, Scottish. It's, not like, it's not like Neil Sullivan's laddies, you know, yeah. growing up to play for Scotland. So it's... Um, Aye, and 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 uh, we don't really know. There was nothing to there was nothing to judge him on. To be honest, uh, I, I think we could have had even Liam Kelly in the team there, and we probably kept a clean sheet. But um, he would have spilled at least one of those shots right on though. Possibly, those <laughs> um, paper wrists. <laughs> but he's, uh, but the, 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 it was a good game. It was a really good game. Firstly, for us to start this group because this group's a lot more difficult. Than, than maybe what you would have thought it was maybe even two years ago. Like, you know, that there's there's not there's a lot of banana skins, there's a lot of top... We're, we're basically talking about every game we're going to play outside of the Cyprus game is going to be with some of the best attacking players on the planet are going to be uh, involved in the game. Doesn't necessarily mean all the team's brilliant, but that is something we, we are going to have to deal with. So I think it was good from the fact that we've not played the game in six months uh, a competitive game that it's a game like this that we can sort of bed ourselves into. And then with us having this, the goalkeeping issue with the Craig Gordon injury, whoever we were playing was going to be making their, their their debut. And I don't care who you are. I mean, Gunn even admits it uh, if, uh, in the in the, in the the post-match. And he says, I didn't sleep very well last night. And I think most people, before they make huge moments in, in any professional life, all of us, I mean, Craig Anderson, the first time you had to go and deliver a lecture, for example, first you're not gonna you're you're gonna be anxious about it. You know, make further first time before you go on television, you're anxious about it. It doesn't it doesn't act. I don't care who you are when you're making these huge sort of steps in your professional life. No matter how cool or calm or how ready you are, you are going to be anxious about it. So I think it was good for us that whoever was going to be in goals was gonna. Was was going to get an easy day, and he was just going to be able to bend himself in, get a few catches, kick the ball out a bit, and to be fair to Angus Gunn, he looked like he really enjoyed it. And that post match, I mean, they couldn't keep the smile off his face, and I probably did want to, to play for England, uh, but his dad is Scottish, and other parts of his family are Scottish. You'll know he said his whole family there, they are proud. So it's a big moment for him uh, professionally and for his family. So I don't think there's any doubt that he's he's bang into it, and uh, hopefully. He's going to bring us a huge performance on Wednesday night when we play Spain, lads. So he's going to be 
very busy. I don't care. Like, I think we're good. I think we're good enough to to give Spain a game, but the goalkeeper will be busy. It's as simple as that. Um, we're. I mean, I was having a little peek at the Spain team. I mean, we are all very much Scottish football fans. So this is uh, this probably where our, our podcast maybe falls down is when it comes to these these bits where we have to talk about the opponents that play for Scotland because we're dweebs. We just pretty much watch that and maybe a bit of English football or if a Scottish player's playing in Italy, we'll watch that. Like uh, our, our knowledge outside of that. But Spain went and beat Norway 3-0 there. But from from all accounts, it wasn't much of a, of a 3-0 game. I mean, where do you see us? Where's our chances lie in this Craig Anderson? Well, first of all, like if we talked about it maybe a year or so ago, the the kind of memorable game, the three two game against Spain at Hamden, um, what was it, two thousand and eight or something like that? It was a while ago. That's that been, when they're at a peak. That Spain team was terrifying. Like you looked at the names on it, you know. Well, I mean, Xavi and Iniesta to start with, but they had, um, you know, PK was playing. He scored for us, and we had Busquets. They had, I think, Casillas was still in goals. They had. Players that were hurting you from all over the pitch. I think Ramos was playing. I think David Villa was playing. Potentially Torres as well. But they had the whole the whole plethora of those players. The current Spain squad is a bit of a mishmash. Like they've got some incredibly promising youngsters, um, guys who seem like they're going to be amongst the best players. Now, fortunately for for us, there uh, Pedri, one of them's out injured. Um, but they um, they have Gavi. Um, who's who is kind of eighteen already got eighteen caps for Spain because he is uh, just clearly one of these uh, the next they're the kind of next Javi and Iniesta pair, but in amongst that you've got like players in their thirties that are kind of on the double figure caps like barely like um, Aspas he's all right. It could. He still. That's it. We're talking about this relatively. These players would all get into our team. Let's not escape yeah, that. Yeah, but yeah. Um, someone like Aspas, he's not a top, top, top level player. He's not an elite level player. He's a good player. He's more. He's more on a par with the types of players that might be produced by Scotland. And then they had like Josalou who came on for his debut at the age of thirty three. And these are like mid table. Scored a double though. He did score a double. Um, very much in the same circumstances as Scott McTominay though, with a team chasing the game. But um, these are like mid table La Liga players uh, rather than. Um, you know, the whole squad coming from like Barcelona and Real Madrid with maybe a couple from, you Man know. City or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so there's, there's things to like, I, I watched them play Morocco at the at the World Cup. I thought they were, and there's a few changes even since then, I thought they were better than Morocco. They deserved to win that game, but they also did what Spain have done at major tournaments for like the last four, which is just not have a cutting edge. And we, if there's one thing I think we can be good at, it is frustrating teams. And and I'm hoping that we get kind of more of the same from them and that maybe we just completely nullify them, just like, they, you know, let them have the ball. They'll have a lot of the ball and that they, they maybe, unlike in the past, don't quite have the magic to take us apart the way that, you know, you could have done that to, <laughs> you have done that, to that other team and, and they still find a way to score and maybe they don't this time. And I also think... Our energy at the top end of the park, if we if we pick it, can be big. Yeah, you're thinking it's almost <clears throat> out of all the, the 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 really top teams. The t- and I, I mean, this is all going to end up with egg on my face when we get beat three 0 Like nothing. Like, I mean, like we, well, I'm, I'm I'm very much well aware of this. 
that we've handpicking a top team to come to Hamden. I'm probably picking a Spain team because for, for the, all the reasons you said there, and especially with you, you called it. You called it earlier on. We are disruptive rather than creative. So we win the ball in good areas, and then we have a player like Andy Robertson, who's like in terms of delivery, it's it's obviously one of the top, but some of the best on the entire planet. And um, as you see at, at every level in England and the Champions League. So we win the balls there and then Robertson's already right up there. You've got that with Tierney in there. And then we have other players who, yeah, maybe it isn't at, at quite at that level, but Christie, Armstrong, um, Hickey, uh, Patterson. I mean, these are guys that are all able to put in good deliveries and you, and you can be confident of that if, if you go and win it. And obviously John McGinn, just pressure. pressure. So you're talk- if, everything that would feed into our sort of strengths is what Spain will want to do. They're never going to just clear it. They're always going to pass the ball for the back religiously um, at, at all times. And that's probably, I think, Luis Enrique tried to come away from that a bit, I think. Because Luis Enrique didn't really do that when he was Barcelona manager. He he turned them into quite a a direct team. And I don't mean that in a, in a not, not long ball here, but I mean, when they had the, the Messi, Suarez and Neymar, they used to get the ball forward to them as a trio and they went on and they won they won the treble under Enrique. But in Spain it's just it's, it's like sort of DNA stuff. There's no getting away. They will all play that way. They're all brought up through their through their youth ranks to play with with the ball at their feet and to have masses amount of um possession. And if we win the ball high up the park, we've got a chance to score. You know, like you know that 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 so I think we will have chances and moments that we just need to be sort of taken advantage of. And I don't know, like, I mean, we're going to be, who are they going to be playing? It's Laporte and, and Nacho up there. They're going to be going up against the type of striker they barely ever go up against, I, I'm assuming. I mean, Laporte plays in England, so that's maybe a bit unfair. But I mean, they can't think that there's many Lyndon Dyke-style players playing in, in La Liga. I mean, I'm happy to be proven wrong on that, but it doesn't strike me as a type of thing. So, there's not many Lyndon Dyke types players in, in world football. That's why he, that's why he's important to Scotland. It's not there's no getting away from the fact that if you watch Lyndon Dykes play, and we, we saw plenty of them playing up here as a footballer, he's terrible. Like he's <laughs> um, he's controls bad. His link up can be all right, but as a I mean, it's attitudes first and foremost, but as a physical player, and you saw that, it's all the weird stuff I think you talked about, it, the, the the knockdown for McTominay. It's like all that weird, awkward stuff. Yeah. It just makes him, yeah, you know you're in a game against him. And yes, most likely um, the, either or both of those two will pocket him, but you do think you could get one of those afternoons like he used to, him or... or Celtic. Yeah, he would give mm. Celtic, but they just like don't, they don't have an answer. And you mm. just keep doing the same thing over and over again, and they just do not have a fucking clue how to deal with it. That's your best. That's your best hope. That yes, yes. Uh, you think that maybe in this see, rather than than, than she Adams, obviously she Adams going off is is a, is a is a big loss to to Scotland because I mean for Scotland in loads of games his his main attribute is is the fact that he's got a bit of pace so he can go in behind, but his first touch is like top rate. Uh, she Adams and playing ways back to goal, he's he's really really good at. it. But is is maybe having the left field number here? I mean, am I just trying to convince myself <laughs> the left field number here? Is that maybe the good thing here? Uh, I would no. <laughs> I, I would I would definitely definitely rather have Adams in the team. Yeah. And 
I think as well, this type of game, I think we will miss Adams and miss that ability to just be a good player, just be a good yeah, footballer. Hold the ball up there. I hold the ball up, link with midfielders, help us get up the park, make those intelligent runs through the channels and whatnot. And also as well, it could take away our ability to introduce Stikes as that X factor. Mm. Like defenders who've already played for 70 minutes and maybe been given the run around by another forward and then what's this coming off the bench? Jesus Christ, who's this guy? (laughs) (laughs) Why are these limbs moving in all different directions at one time? What's going on? I'm really not not ready to deal with this. Whereas as a defender, you might, you know, you might feel that in the opening five, ten minutes, but then you just kind of get used to it as the game goes on. So I I don't know, it'd be interesting. (sighs) I wouldn't. I just don't know. I don't know anything about Jacob Brown. That's the only thing. I've no idea what Jacob Brown does or is or anything. <laughs> and I don't want to. Yeah, because I'm almost like advocating for maybe Dyke should just come off the bench, but then it's like we've just got so little else. Like we have no idea. What is Jacob Brown? I don't know. I, I think I think he's meant to be quick, but uh, yeah, I, we've not seen him. And, and Shanklin's who's been brought in is not. No. I could have seen okay, Lauren Shanklin doing something against Cyprus, but yeah, he's not. He's got, eaten alive. he's got none of the he's got none of the necessary attributes that would make him do anything against Spain. Like he's not like better than them at any individual thing. Whereas Dykes has at least got his physicals, and Adams mm. is just generally a quite a, a top level player. I I do think though, if you're picking, if if and, and this is an entirely fictitious choice that I'm giving you. If you're saying that Adams and Dykes, one of them has to play at home to Spain and one of them has to play away to Spain, Dykes is very much your Hamden Park raucous atmosphere player mm. and Adams is very much your composed uh, try to play for a nil-nil draw in whatever Spanish city player. So there, there's that aspect of it that, that Dykes, I mean, he could get himself sent off in 10 minutes very easily, but if... We're definitely going to see Jacob Brown or Lauren Shanklin starting up, not starting up front by themselves for Scotland in this game because Dykes, <laughs> Dykes will definitely get booked and he will have to be withdrawn at some point so he doesn't get sent off. Either that or it will be like um, McTominay or Christie or something just like shuttling about in the in the final aye. third. Like, uh, it'll, be, it'll be Christie, aye. I'll stick Christie up top by his own. They'll get that, that McTominay love played through the entire spine of the Scotland team at some point, <laughs> <laughs> And his career. Is, is there any other changes you made? Jim Christie played himself into in a start in this game. I, I, I would like to see about six different midfielders start this game, so I'm finding it challenging to um, to know who is who is going to play. I think Christie will start instead of Armstrong. I think it'll be harsh on Armstrong, who I thought was one of our better players on Saturday. But you can't drop him again. And I think Christie want freshness. I think you want a bit of freshness well, for this game. There's going to be a lot just, of running. <laughs> more just Christie's pressing ability is it will just be too much of a potential strength to to leave out for me. So yeah, it will be harsh and Armstrong, but that's but what, pro- that's probably the only changes I would make to be honest. But what about McTominay? Where does that leave him? Like yeah, it leaves him on the bench, coming off the bench. I just think it, there's, there's that. I would like. I was like. I think McTominay should be playing this game. I think it's a game for him. But I also think. I also think McGinn obviously has to play, and I also think McGregor and Jack as a pair is is exactly what we need to shield the defense. And I also think both Armstrong and Christie. Christie, I'm going to. So I'm like, oh, I've, I've good idea, Craig. What I've, we should I've do picked, is play 15 players. Yeah, I mean, I've picked the entire squad at this point. So surely we'll win. 15 players, yeah. Scotland nil, Spain won. Yeah. Um, so I, I uh, it's very hard to it's very hard to know where he goes, but it's because um, even that, like even though even though obviously Gilmore's not not played a lot recently and has been out the team, 
uh, even in, and I mean that in a Scotland sense as well. I mean, you reminded me when we were talking online, um, just about like even in the last triple header, Gilmore barely got a, a sniff um, over the three games. Uh, a bit like in a game like this, just like when you look at Wimbledon, like the other big teams we've played, the England and in, in the Euros, Gilmore play uh, away from home, and Gilmore plays a. Uh, played man of the match performance because you're able to keep the ball and he could take the ball in tight areas. There'd be an argument in a game like this against Spain that those attributes would be massively uh, helpful to have. And again, it's, it's, it's they're not bad problems, are they? I mean, the fact that you're, you, you, the reason you're struggling to pick a team is because you're trying to work in all these sort of different attributes that they've got. I think, I think it's a good sign in the sense that, I mean, every football team is going to have irreplaceable players as such and, and probably you're looking at Tierney, Robertson and McGinn for that like players that you just don't have anyone else who can do what they do but every other player on that park you're kind of like for example if they're injured you can kind of change it without really missing a beat and that's um, I mean maybe that's unfair on Adams because you will see the difference up front but there's at least other options there so and actually not unhappy about anyway. Yeah, and and it's I mean even even like Robertson, Greg Taylor is not Andy Robertson, but there's at least like a a direct pretty much like for like positional change there. So um, you are you are um, and I know he's not in the squad, but I mean like theoretically. Um, so we're getting to this position where we have a larger and larger pool of players who we can call upon because you've got as I say you've you've got two regular Serie A starters that we've not mentioned there. Um, you know, Ferguson's in the squad would again be another player whose physical attributes are ideal for a game like and this. And the fact he can sniff out a goal as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you've got someone like Doyle who's playing every week in the Serie A that's can't, can't even get a game and even if one of the fullbacks got injured still wouldn't be in the squad. So you're, you're really looking at Proper yeah, you could even see them moving Hickey over. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> before, before they, before they done that, and then Tierney, there'd be Tierney, then Hickey, and then you thought, then maybe Doig would get a run. So it's um, that that in itself is a good sign, and, and it's a centre half problem as well. All of a sudden, Jack Hendry out, and I think that's a massive blow. I think it still is a massive blow for this game in particular because he is the of all our players of all probably of all our players, he has the most balls in terms of just getting in possession and doesn't care who he's playing against and dribbling. Yeah. His passing's not very good. Uh, don't get away <laughs> from it, but he likes but to pass. Try. He likes to pass <laughs> the ball. Um, uh. I think I think he would have been a real asset in this game because I think he's, he's very quick as well, so or quicker than people think he is. So he, he would be good on the cover and stuff like that. So, uh, But at the same time, you've got someone like Portis who can step into that role. And, and he, he has similar, well. like in terms of that, in terms of the attitude... Um, he he. That's the similar sort of. He, but I don't think Porteous will be scared to get on the ball. I don't think he'll be scared to to make a pass uh, if he thinks it's the right thing to do. Um, but I've always thought that Porteous does. You don't see it a lot because it was when he was at Hibs. Even when Hibs aren't very good, they still teams still let Hibs have the ball. If you like, I mean, you know what I mean. Just Easter own stuff. Just naturally, obviously, because Hibs are quote unquote a bigger club mm-hmm. than a lot of them. They just let them have it, and and, so, and that's a bad thing for Hibs. <laughs> a lot of time, the teams are doing that deliberately because again, so but Porteous can definitely play backs to the wall. He likes he likes you to defend the Ukraine, the Ukraine game, Ukraine game, and then so I think you. Know, I'm not worried about Porteous in this game and, and the style of player that he is, and I think he'll play in there. And then we're going to have, what is it, Marat as the captain now, is that right? Yeah. Seems weird, but... Um, he he is a much better player than people think he is. Absolutely, yeah, of course he is. You don't, play, you don't get passed around basically all the biggest clubs in Europe um, 
just for a laugh but his CV is Real Madrid Juventus Chelsea and Atletico Madrid ah oh, he's <laughs> shite <laughs> but uh, he'll be going up but, I mean it'll be like uh, the cart people will be looking at this as like the cart horse challenge between Grant Hanley and, uh, and Maratta <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I mean that'll be that that'll be an interesting one to to watch. I'm assuming he's not going to start Jocelyn, despite the fact that he he came off uh, the bench and scored those goals. I mean Danny Olmo, he he seems like a, a wild player again. That I mean I saw a bit of him in the World Cup where he's like looked really good dribbler, but um, it's international football. You you're you're not allowed to be good unless you have a player from either RB Leipzig or Atalanta, and that's where we're missing out. Those are the two clubs that produce the entirety of international football. So <laughs> yeah. but I was to say, look look at that team. It's, it's, it's obviously they're they're a lot better than us. They will see the ball, but I don't think it is an impossible task by any means. And of the right atmosphere, and boy, please, it's. Um, maybe a night time gives it a bit of edge for us. I mean, these things, I mean, maybe these things we just make up in our heads, who knows? But uh, you feel like you win more, you get, you get more shocks at night. <laughs> people taking half days for work, people getting pushed. Aye. More raucous atmosphere. 2 0 Scotland. I think we are going to win this game. I, I, don't, yes. know, I, I don't know why, but I, I just got, I've just got a real feeling that we are. Um, so well, I, I passed up my ability to go. I could have, I could have a ticket this game. I let you take it, Tony. So that's that's why I'm confident that I'm going to miss out on a miss out on an absolutely massive famous night because I didn't trust myself not to drink free alcohol the night before uh, a view from the terrace record. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure if uh, Jordan or Andy or anyone's listening to this podcast, I'm sure they're delighted with that. Yeah, with that like, oh, he's growing up. He's growing up. We're <laughs> <laughs> on season five. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I've I've taken a ticket, but there'd be the all opposite is that all the best things happen when I don't go to Hamden, uh, like Humping Rangers 3 0, uh, winning the Scottish Cups. So uh, who knows? But I'm always there when we get beat 5 1 of hearts and stuff like that. So. Is <laughs> <laughs> um, that ticket back? <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see how this one's coming. I'm going with, with Ewan and. Uh, because Jordan first were kind enough to give us tickets for the for the charity show that, that we all done, and uh, we'll be. In the business class and getting to watch Craig Telford do his do his thing on stage, which I'm looking forward to. Um, you should you should point out that it's not coming out of the money that we raised for. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to be clear, like I think Children First are like the the, the the national team's like ongoing partner for charitable work and sponsoring. Hence why we were allowed to, to. They don't just let us in Hamden because we needed to be verified, and it was Children First who verified us to let us go into the the bowels of Hamden to do a show. Um, so. Uh, that 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 so they always they'll always get tickets for for these events and they offered us a couple to to say thank you which was really kind of them and I'm really looking forward to it. Um, but with Craig Anderson saying we're going to win, I don't think of any place to finish better than there. So thank you very much for listening and thank you guys for joining me. And we are nipping over to Patreon uh, on the two pound tier. So put your money in there if you want to hear us ask talk about. What's going on at the Scotland under twenty ones? Why why do we not win any matches ever? Even though even though some of the players are good and we're playing absolute rubbish teams. But um, so we're going to try and talk that through, um, and we think you should join us. So come on over and thanks again for listening. Sports Social Podcast Network.